together. I'm, you can be turning while I'm blabbering here to Philippians chapter 1. This morning's message follows really right along with what Brother Davison was teaching in the adult Sunday school class and uh, what the ladies were just thinking about. Oh, how important it is to follow close to our Savior, follow along with Him. If you would please, uh, well, why not, before I before we get to the scripture, what a it was a tremendous day yesterday. What a what a joy it was, and it was uh, oh I don't know some time ago the Lord just impressed me to be good to to bring my dear wife and let her be in attendance for the ladies conference, and and of course I got to to to, to show for her, bring her here, and and uh, and of course got to. Share the fellowship and time with the, the men in the kitchen. And, and it, it was just tremendous all the way around. Uh, again, what a privilege and an honor. And, I, and I'm so thankful to be able to stand be, behind this holy desk and share the word of God. Uh, if you found your place there in Philippians chapter 1, please stand with me in reverence to God's word. And we'll begin reading in that chapter in And in verse 9, we're looking this morning at the quest for the excellence of Christ. The quest for the excellence of Christ. And we begin reading there in verse 9, where Paul writes to the church at Philippi, and he says, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment." That ye may approve things that are excellent. That ye may be sincere and without offense. Till the day of Christ. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness. Which are by Jesus Christ under the glory and praise of God. Father we bow before you. This once again. We'd ask for your special attendance upon this time. We'd ask you in the name of your perfect son, your excellent son, that you might be pleased to grant your spirit to work in our hearts and in our lives. Oh God, I'm asking you to deal with every heart, regardless of what the need might be today. Father, it may well be there's some within the walls of this auditorium that that don't know the great joy, the, the peace, of the forgiveness of God through your Son. Lord, please deal with those hearts. Might they see Jesus in all his glory, in his grace, and in his great love for us. But also pray for every one of us as believers that we might grasp the greatness, the excellence of our God. That indeed today we be filled with the desire to seek excellence for you. We love you, Lord. Of course, we understand we love you only because you were pleased to first love us. In Jesus' name, and of course, for his glory we pray. Amen. Amen. And of course, may be seated. Looking at this passage, just reading these verses once again, it Paul writes in, to this local church there in Philippi, and, he's, and he says, This I pray, tremendous, that, that he would be pleased to reveal to those folks there how he prayed for them. He says, In this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more. As believers, uh, certainly, as we learned in Sunday school this morning, that love should certainly be a mark of the Christian. The believer in Christ should be someone that has, after experiencing the love of Christ, should be be enabled to share that love, to manifest that love. Paul prays that that very love would abound yet more and more and and in knowledge. And the idea is that, that we'd understand what that means. We'd understand what that great love is and all judgment or, or the, the discernment that goes along with that. 
Verse 10 says that you may approve. And the idea is that you may examine, that you may test, that you would verify things that are excellent. Things that are excellent. That you may be sincere without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness. And how will, we, how will that be accomplished? One and only way. They left one thing up from the decorations yesterday. One way, and indeed we understand, there's only one way to be saved, only one way to live for the glory and honor of our God, and that is through Jesus Christ, under the glory and praise of God. Now we understand that when you become a Christian, you become a brand new person in Christ. Old things indeed are passed away. Behold, all things, how many things? All things become new. And that new person who now, (laughs) hallelujah, has the Son of God living in them. What a tremendous truth that is where we're in Christ. Isn't that right? When we're saved, we are placed in Christ. And we have that beautiful position of righteousness because of the righteousness of Christ in him. We're new creatures in Jesus Christ. But we also have the Lord Jesus Christ living in residence in us. Hallelujah. That new person that now has the Son of God living in them, has a brand new life. But with that, a whole new set of values. What kind of values? Well, there will be biblical values. They will be values that honor and glorify God. A new set of biblical values, God's values, that come, they proceed from, the theme of our message, the very excellencies of God. Well, let's look at that a little bit. And we've got to begin with the very excellence of God himself. There's no way, there's no way that in one message we could lay out all that is excellent about our God. But we'll take a glimpse of a a few things. In our word, in in our passage here in, in Philippians... And in the scriptures that we'll be looking at here, uh, that word excellent refers to something of extremely high quality. Something of superior, something especially praiseworthy. It describes that which far surpasses the normal or what is common. We get in the picture? It describes that that which surpasses the normal or the average as is, in fact, the best. Something that is excellent. Consider some things with me. Some things that the Bible says about the excellencies of God. Hmm. Well, just let me read these verses. We're going to be looking at several. And uh, they come from the Old Testament. I, I was shocked this week. I, I, I don't want to harangue, but preachers do that sometimes. Uh, I heard about a, a very, and I'm not going to mention any names, but I heard about a preacher, that a uh, very popular preacher in our day, that uh, has just to- totally set, about, set aside the Old Testament. Hmm? That uh, he even claimed that, that Peter and John and the Apostle Paul had unhitched their ministries from the Old Testament. I guess he hasn't read the New Testament. Because a great portion, at least 20% of the New Testament is quotes or references to the Old Testament. Yeah, there's a little dent there. So We're talking about the excellencies of our God. Number one. His excellence, God's excellence, is incomparable in all the earth. We read about that from from David in Psalm 8 and verse 1. 
He declares, O Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, the God of all gods, Jehovah God, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. (laughs) Indeed, what can you compare to the excellencies of our God? Hmm? Nothing compares. He is excellent above everything that is in the earth, in all the earth. In going along with that thought, and of we read there in Psalm 8 concerning his name, his name is excellent in all the earth. In Psalm 148 and verse 13, the declaration is made, Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name is excellent. Now again, we could stop right there and, and spend spend the rest of this day and, and for many Sundays to come talking about the excellent names of our God. Those names that describe who and what He is and His almighty power and again on and on describing His excellence. His name is excellent in all the earth. And, and uh, as we read in Psalm 148 verse 13, let them, might we join them, In praising the name of the Lord. His name is alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and heaven. Now again, in both those verses, we we take note that, 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 that our God's excellence, even that excellence of his very name, stands above his creation. Now, indeed, his creation is an excellent creation. But his name and his excellence is above that. It's an excellent above and beyond. Thirdly, we see that his, God's works, are excellent in all the earth. The prophet Isaiah wrote in chapter 12 and verse 5. There it says, sing unto the Lord, for he hath done Excellent things. (laughs) What did he not do that is excellent? What did he do that is not excellent, I guess is the right way to say it. He had done excellent things. This is known where? In all the earth. Fourthly, his loving kindness is excellent. Aren't you thankful for that? When I think of his loving kindness, and every morning when we lift, up, lift our heads off the pillow, we can praise God that his mercies are new every morning, that his compassions fail not. They spring out of his excellent kindness for us. Verse, Psalm uh, 36 and verse 7 says, How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. Beloved, you and I here this morning that know the Lord Jesus Christ, you and I that have experienced his good mercy, you and I that enjoy his grace, you and I who move and live in the, in the, the goodness of his love to us, Understand that loving kindness. Why? How? Because we've experienced it. We've experienced his loving kindness and indeed it is excellent. Fifthly, he, our God, is excellent in his power. In his power. Job, in Job Chapter 37 and verse 23, we read this. I love this. It says, touching the Almighty. That's one of those names of his. One of those excellent names of his. The Almighty. The All-Powerful One. We cannot find him out. What's that mean? Touching the Almighty, we cannot find him out. What's that mean? 
It means as best as you and I may try. And our best attempts to understand Him and, and to be able to put everything in order about Him, we can never plunge the depths of who and what He is. Uh-huh. We can never exhaust His excellencies. Hmm. Touching the Almighty, we cannot find Him out. He is excellent in power and in judgment and in plenty of justice. He will not afflict. He's excellent in His power. He uses His power excellently. Hmm? Oh my, we understand that man, that man surely fails there. What is the old saying? Power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Hmm? But our God is not such. The, the outworking of his power is excellent. Is excellent. And coming as well from that verse, he's excellent in his judgment and in his justice. Aren't you grateful that he is a just God? Mm-hmm. Now we understand that outside of the sacrifice of Christ and what Christ did for us and shedding his blood, laying down his life for us, our God would not be just in forgiving us. You know how the world thinks. Surely a, surely a loving God would not commend men to hell. No. A just God does everything excellently and rightly. Hmm? Outside of Christ, you and I, every single one of us, deserve right now to be dropped in the pit of hell. Hmm? And God would be just in doing it. But because he gave this world his only begotten son, because he loved us so much, he gave his son to become that Righteous sacrifice for us. That indeed he could be faithful and just. In and through his son. To forgive me. To forgive you of our sins. Hallelujah. He's excellent in judgment and justice. His judgment is, is excellent. His discernment. His understanding is without equal. It is supreme. And his justice is absolutely right. Well, what do we do with all this? What does an ex now listen, what does an excellent God deserve from his creation? And especially from his people. What does God deserve from you and from me? Well, I would say very simply that his excellence deserves, rightly deserves excellence. Hmm? Stick with me. The Apostle Paul challenges in the book of Hebrews to consider some things about our God. To consider some things about the Lord Jesus Christ. To take into account some things. In Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1. Hebrews 3 and verse 1. There, the word of God says, Wherefore, holy brethren. Well, who were the holy brethren? Hmm? Those that are saved. Those who know the Lord Jesus Christ. Believers in Jesus. Wherefore, holy brethren. Listen. Partakers of the heavenly calling. Consider. Take into account. The apostle and high priest of our profession. Christ Jesus. Take into, take into him. Into account. Consider the Lord Jesus Christ. In chapter 12 of the book of Hebrews. Paul goes on in chapter 12 and verse 3. Listen to this. He says, For consider him, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. 
the Son of God. God the Son. The holy, righteous Son of God. Suffered at the hands of sinners. And all the accusations are made. And who is, who is to blame? Oh, the, the Romans killed Jesus. The Jews killed Jesus. Beloved, you and I killed Jesus. Jesus went to that cross bearing my sin. He went to that cross bearing your sin. Our guilt, beloved. Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against themselves, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. We do well, my dear one, my dearly, my dear ones, to consider him that suffered for us. And as we consider him and his excellence, what does he deserve from me? What does he deserve from you who've enjoyed his forgiveness? He deserves excellence. Again, please stick with me. What is excellence? Well, earlier we said that that word excellent or excellence refers to something of extremely high quality. That is, that that is superior. Something that is especially praiseworthy. That's what Jesus deserves. Because that's what he is. Fundamentally, we conclude that the ultimate definition of excellence is found in God. And it's manifested in his son, Jesus Christ. We want to... We need to understand, we want to understand what excellence is. We look at Jesus. We look at Jesus. Jesus Christ is preeminent. Jesus Christ is superior in everything. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18 the Apostle Paul writing to those dear, dear saints in the church of Colossae. Again, in chapter 1 and verse 18, and he, he writes this. Speaking of Jesus. And he is the head of the body, the church. What is the body of Christ? The church. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Hallelujah, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Three days and three nights in the tomb, and he, and he defeated death, he defeated the grave, and was that first fruits, that first, to be raised from the dead. But aren't you thankful? There's a harvest to come, and you and I are part of that harvest. The firstborn from the dead, that in all things, how many things? All things. In everything, he might have the preeminence. Huh? He, not me. I'm not the preeminent. You're not the preeminent one. No man walking this earth planet is the earth preeminent. Jesus Christ, the one and only, is the preeminent one. Our God super excels in everything that he is. Everything that he does. He is perfectly excellent. <laughs> he is completely excellent. Wow. The other side of that. The other, there's another side of that though. Unfortunately, we are not. We're not perfect, nor are we, are we capable of perfection. Anything produced by human hands has the taint of sin on it. Do you understand that? I'm saved. I've been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. 
But this old flesh still bears the burden of sin in it. Huh? We're imperfect. We're imperfect. And so pursuing excellence for Christ is a whole different thing. The indwelling presence of that excellent Savior, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, moves us, does it not? Doesn't it not motivate us to desire that excellence for Him? I surely hope so. That because Christ liveth in me, it moves me to seek excellence, not for Jim Turner, not for myself, but for Him and for His glory, for His honor. For his praise. Huh? Seeking excellence for Christ will cause, <laughs> listen to me, seeking excellent, excellence for Christ and what we do will cause us to hate mediocrity. Huh? We'll have no tolerance. For merely maintaining the status quo. The words, that's good enough. Huh? The words, that's good enough. Especially... Those things which we would attempt for our God should be as poison on our lips. Huh? Are you with me? Especially, beloved, in what we seek to do for Jesus Christ. Pursuing excellence is seeking then to do our absolute best for our God. When we consider who Jesus is, and that He is exceeding excellent in all that He is, and as we said, all that He does, it should compel us, should it not? It should motivate us to pursue, to seek excellence. What is that? Our very best in all that we do for Him. Everything that we do for Him. Just consider, just consider for a moment His precious blood. Excellent. The blood of God. His precious blood, that blood that purchased our salvation, is worth more than what? The silver or gold of this world. Peter spoke of that, did he not? In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. And he reminds us here. Peter was good at this. He says, for as much as you know. Huh? We know this. We know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. What's this world chasing? It's seeking the, 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 that which this world values, silver and gold. And Peter calls, calls all that corruptible, that which is perishing. No, we were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain or empty conversation, your meaningless lies. You say, well, that's pretty rude, preacher, to say something like that. What were our lives before Christ entered in? What, what, what was the meaning of our lives before Jesus saved us? Be honest with ourselves. My, my life didn't mean a thing till that day when God saved me. Huh? He gave me eternal purpose. From your vain conversation received by tradition from your father's but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb, listen, without blemish and without spot. That lamb, the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, was excellent. 
Excellent. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 50 and verse 10. There it says, For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. Consider that. Consider who has ownership. Yes, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, but we need to be mindful that he also owns the hills. Owns everything that's under the hills. It's all his. We are his. If we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Consider him. I keep using that statement because we need to do that. Mindful of who this is that saved us. And who it is we claim to live for. Consider him. As we read the command from his lips. Brother, Brother John had referred to this in, in, in the adult Sunday school class this morning. He quoted from Matthew. I, I, I usually choose to quote the same statement from the Gospel of Mark. Where it says in Mark chapter 12 and verse 30. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul. And with all thy mind and, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And again, in declaring that, he, he was summarizing the, that, first, that first table of the law. Hmm? Concerning our relationship to our God. Summed up in what? Loving Him with everything that we are. Everything that we are. Those words, beloved, should they not mean something to us? Should they not mean something? They should do something in our very heart of hearts. Our very innermost being. To the very foundations of our soul. They should move us to what? Seek excellence. For Christ. The Lord's dealt with my heart about the unbiblical interpretations of Scripture in our day. We're witnessing it all around us in this 21st century Christ, quote unquote Christianity. I believe more and more we're, we're, meant, we're seeing the excellencies of our God minimized. Modern Christianity wants a God that's just a little bit bigger than me. They don't want a God that, that they're willing to, to bend the knee to. Oh, Lord, my Lord. Huh? Where he's in control. Modern Christianity is, is more focused on, on what pleases me. When we should be asking the, the big question. Lord, what pleases you? What pleases you, God? Oh my. In an effort to please people. In our churches and ministries, we've forgotten that utmost question. Oh God, what pleases you? And then conform our lives to pursue that. Is, let me ask you, is God pleased then with any old thing that we would desire to give him? Be mindful. I not, oh my, I hasten. Be mindful in the Old Testament. What was to be the character and the quality of the sacrifices that were brought to God? They are to be what? Without blemish. Another word. What we could use was they were to be excellent. They were to be of the best quality. And so much that we see in modern worship and in churches going on today, it's as the lowest common denominator. 
the closest we can get to the world <laughs> and still call ourselves Christian. When on the other hand, we should want to leave the world behind and all of its garbage and corruption and want the excellencies of the God of glory. In everything that we do, word and deed, and I'm getting ahead of myself, God's pleased. I believe God's pleased with a heart that is completely given over to Him without reservation. Holding nothing back. And with that desire to give our best to Him. What did Paul say to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 31? Huh? Let me tell me later what Paul leaves out here. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all. What? To the glory of God. He said to the Colossians in chapter 3 and verse 17. And whatsoever you do. In word or deed. Do all. huh? Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Now what's that tell me? What's that tell me? That everything I put my hand to do, every place that I allow these feet to take me, every word that passes over these lips are to be surrendered to the glory and honor of our God for His praise. Hmm. Is all that we do worthy of His name? Everything that we do should be done in the name of and for the glory of our God. On a few verses later in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23, Paul says this, Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord. So whatever you're involved in, Wherever you're going, relationships, are they going to glorify God? Is it glorify? Is it a manifestation of my desire to pursue excellence for Christ? Oh, dear brothers and sisters, should we not desire to raise that bar of of what we do for Him? Huh? Should we not desire to do our absolute best? And with all that said, we've got to remember a very important truth. You're not in competition with me. I'm not in competition with you. This church is not in competition with the church. I'm going to hold back on that. I'm going to say it this way. This Bible-believing church is not in competition with the Bible-believing church across town. I'm not even going to compare us to churches that have already thrown out this book. No. We're not, we're not called upon to outdo or to be better than another. What are we called upon to do? To do our best. Our best. My best. Your best. For Jesus Christ. Have we done our best? I'll close with this. There's an old, old song. That really speaks to this. It was written by a man named Edwin Young in 1924. That's a while ago. Title of the song, and I'm sure you're familiar with it. Simple. It's a question. I wonder, have I done my best for Jesus? The song has a very interesting history. It goes back. September 8th, 
1860, a young man by the name of Edwin, excuse me, Edward Spencer. He was a sophomore at Northwestern University in Evanston, Illinois. He awoke and thought it would be another day, just a normal day like any other day. And he and several other students got up early to take a walk on Chicago's Lake Michigan Beach. And as they were walking, they saw that some debris had washed up on the shore. Some of that debris was human. Around 2.30 that morning, a storm had come up on Lake Michigan, and the steamer, the Lady Elgin, had collided with the schooner Augusta. Lifeboats were deployed, but there just weren't enough. And as the ship sank, people looked for anything they could to float on. It was one of the worst marine disasters in North American history. Most of the 300 passengers and crew perished that morning. There were many, many that were floating on debris from the ships trying to make it to shore. Without a moment's hesitation, Edward Spencer, who was an excellent swimmer, he took away the extra clothing that he had that might hinder him, and he dove into the rolling, chopping waves, swam and swam, and he reached the wreck, and, and uh, fighting his way back, he brought the first person to safety. He had repeated this Heroic effort several more times when those on the shore said, Ed, you've done all you can. You'll surely kill yourself if you try it again. His only reply was, I've got to do my best. He plunged in again and brought another person to safety and another and another until he had re rescued 17 people. He could go no farther. He fell unconscious on the shore. They carried him to the infirmary. And there lying in the infirmary as he recovered, he kept repeating one statement. Have I done my best? Have I done my best? Well, he certainly had done his best and, and truly beyond. As a result of his injuries from that night, Edward Spencer remained a partial invalid the rest of his life. We fast forward 44 years to 1924. And E. Edwin Young, heard about Edward Spencer's story and it inspired a song that draws tremendous spiritual lesson from the incident. It's interesting that E. Edwin Young served as the dean of the school of music at a, a Baptist college, Hardin-Simmons University in Abilene, Texas for over 20 years. But it leaves the question in my heart, hopefully in yours. If I left this earth planet today, how would we answer the question? I wonder, have I done my best for Jesus? What does he deserve, beloved? What is he worthy of? Those perishing lives and the, on Lake Michigan moved Edward Spencer to go and go again. I've got an excellent Savior. Saved me. Saved you. 
He saved all that will call upon him. He's done his best for me. I wonder, have I done my best for him? Let's stand together. Father, I bow before you this morning and thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your son who indeed gave his best for us. He gave everything for us. That we might be made right with you. That we might be saved. That we would not perish without forgiveness of sin. Thank you, Lord. For my Savior. Lord, I pray, I ask you in his name, in Jesus' name. I don't know. I don't know that there might well be one or maybe some within these walls at this moment that needs that saving work of Jesus Christ. Oh God, I pray. I pray that they might understand that indeed they're sinners, lost and undone, in need of your forgiveness. Oh God, I plead with you in Jesus' name. They'd hate see him in all of his goodness, all of his mercy, all of his power, all of his excellence, and desire him as their Savior. But, oh, God, I pray for every single one of us, starting with this preacher. God, please. Please so work in our hearts and our lives. Help us, Lord, to consider him. Who gave everything for us. That we might indeed live for him oh God I pray I pray that help us to give our best for Jesus for it's in his name and for his glory that we pray amen and amen brother John Folks, as we sing, you can join these ones in the altar. Surely our hearts should desire to be our best, to do our best for this one who's done everything for us. The excellent Savior, Jesus Christ. God, God help us as we sing. I gave my life for
Susie learned it, and she played it. My, my song leader didn't know music, but he had a heart. And Brother John Golston would stand up and sing, Well, I wonder, have I done my best for Jesus when he has done so much for me? My heart broke about every time I ever heard him sing it. I didn't know the story of the song. I'm glad I got it now. I'm going to dig the song out and get relearn it. I don't have, I don't, I'm not a music guy, but I was just praying as we, as we were in this service that God would give us back a heart. It's not, hey, it's not, 2,000 years ago, it's right now. The question is not where you're going to win the prize or not. The question is, will you hear him say, well done? Will you live up to the standard that he has given us to maintain, not for us, but for him? It's all about him. And so, I wonder, I don't have much left. Some of y'all got a lot left. You've got a lot you could give. I, I want us to just sing one more. You don't have to sing that song, but you could sing it better than I did. I know that, but it, if you want to sing it, you can. But, uh, but if you don't, just, just sing another verse of that last one. Let's, and I want to just ask you, preacher preached his heart out, gave us what he had to have, what we needed to hear. Now the question is, what are we going to do with it? The, the whole message is this, have you done your best for Jesus? Question. Have you done your best for Jesus today? Have you done your best for Jesus this past week? Have you done your best for Jesus in your decisions that you make? What part of it is it that you can step up and say, I'm okay because I've done my best for Jesus. I had to get down here and get shed of some things and look to some things. I want to do my best. I want it all to give glory to Him. Let's sing his verse with that in thought.
And the, I, I, I know their name. <laughs> and Emma and Will have all come this morning. And Tina, Victor, and Emma are all members of Ash Creek Baptist Church. And Victor, you know you're saved. Yes, sir. How about you, Tina? Yes, sir. Y'all probably heard her testimony before. How about you, Emma? Yes. And Will is coming as a guest member. But he'll be saved. He'll become baptized. And then he'll be a full-fledged member. And so uh, they're coming as a family. Amen. And we don't want to miss that. That's the way it ought to be. Uh, Victor, I'm thankful you're here today. And thankful that you're... I'm thankful... Hey, this is a victory. I mean, God's God's put some strength in this place today. These folks here go to work, go to... They'll be... They'll, they'll do their best for Jesus as we work hand in hand with them. So... They told they fussed at me last time because I didn't take a vote. Anybody want to vote? If you're in favor of that, would you just say amen? Amen. Anybody opposed? You're the one that has to vote now. All right. All right. It's a blessing for them to be here. I want y'all to come up here and uh, thank the Lord for this family. Susie can come stand with you, and uh, it's just such a blessing. This we about we about nearly kin folks already anyway. So and uh, so Grandma had to get up here. I want you to come by and welcome these folks. Give them God's speed, and and make a promise to them. I'll pray for you, and I'll. I'm going to care about you. I'm concerned that we all work together for the glory of God. That's what we do when we come here. They have done their part. They've made their public profession to you. It, It matters little to me about a dry signature off of a desk over there somewhere in Azle. What matters is what came out of these hearts this morning in their expression of a desire to serve the Lord right here with us. It's wonderful. That's what God does. Uh, Let's stand. Brother Daniel, would you pray for us? These tall guys have trouble. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you uh, for the message of this morning. Lord, our, our desire should be that, that we want to give you the best of, of everything we got, everything we are. Lord, that we bring glory to your name in every part of our life. Thank you for those that joined this, this morning. And, and Lord, we pray for them and pray that, that you be with them, Lord. And I pray that that we can all grow together and, Lord, continue to, to be used to advance your kingdom. We thank you for Pastor Turner and, and, and his will to preach the word this, this morning to us. And, Lord, we thank you for your precious son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for each and every one of us in this room. And it is in his precious name. That